Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Oh my goodness, I'm laughing. Merry Christmas, everybody, from Merry our whole Christmas. team. Hey, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. And a Happy New Year. You're sounding like you're from the Bronx or something, Better man. Better believe it. Yeah. It's Carl and Crew Mornings wishing you a... Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That's However right. you're spending this morning... I hope you have have a lot of joy in your heart, knowing that our Savior is born. Yeah, big our time. Our Savior has come. Big time. Going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Dr. Mark Job joining us right now, 10th president of the Moody Bible Institute, also host of Bold Steps, which you hear weekdays at 1 o'clock right here on Moody Radio. You know, Mark, we've talked about this kind of offline a couple of times, but we live in a culture today that it's like Christ followers can go this way or that. It's kind of the why in the road. We see a post-Christian culture. We see morality slippage in ways that are, it's astonishing. But it's like some are heading to the Midwest kind of bunker syndrome. Some are saying, no, let's get to the front lines. What do you say, Mark? Yeah, we have not seen this much acceleration in change and division probably in our lifetime. No, I think you're right. And Not and even I close, Mark, right? No, not even no, close. no. I mean, I, I people deconstructing their Christianity, people that are just really struggling with their faith and determining whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. I, I believe we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. Yeah. And I believe that more than ever before, we have to refocus on re-evangelizing our country, especially uh, Generation Alpha. That's the, some people are saying it's the first post-Christian generation in this nation. And then we also need to continue to accelerate our focus on the nations. You know, some people, when when we see the world going like it's going, uh, there's uh, a lot of chaos, war in Europe, inflation, recession, political tension mounting, a lot of fear. Some people want to run to the mountains of Montana, build a bunker, fill it with water, (laughs) get some cans of food, and just hunker down to the rapture. And I get that feeling that you may have, but that is opposite of what God has called us to do. Actually, this is a time to pull out the light, to be salt in this generation, to be more bold, audacious, gracious, gracious, loving, intentional about the gospel than ever before. Dr. Job, so as we move towards the uh, calendar year end, what is Moody Radio's role in all of what you just described? So yeah, we're in the end of the year 2022, and December is an important year for Moody Radio because like many ministries, this is a very, very important uh, month financially. A lot of people give year-end gifts And this is one of our our larger months, and we really depend on it to finish our calendar year well and enter into the next year well as well. So I want to challenge you, if you've been thinking about a year-end gift and God has been uh, putting on your heart to give somewhere, you know, I like to tell people, if you've been listening to 30 years to Moody Radio and you've been encouraged and it's blessed you and you've grown and you've never given a penny, we're glad you're listening. And I'm glad it's ministered to your heart and keep growing in Jesus. So I never want you to feel guilty for not giving. However, we operate, this is a big operation. 
Moody Radio is not a mom and pop shop. No, seriously, you're right about that. This is not just you know two people behind a mic. I mean, we have uh, staff all around the country. We have towers and offices and radio stations and engineers. We've been doing this for a hundred years. We're the largest nonstop broadcasting Christian radio station, from what I understand, in the nation, and we're expanding more and more internationally. Starting in January, we'll be broadcasting to all of Nigeria, to Singapore and Malawi. That has the capacity of 200 million listeners. So we are accelerating, but we need your help. We need your help. And this is an important time of the year to give. And so if you've been thinking about giving, we would ask you to give before the end of the calendar year. In other words, before December 31st, it's important that your gift would come in at that time. Boom Crew, we know that you are unique in that if there are retreaters and they're take the hillers, you're a take the hiller. That's what you are. That's what you are, Boom Crew. And we love you for it. Your generosity is off the chain. And yet, your end is coming. I know you're busy. But if you could take some time right now to go to the phone or go online, let me give you two portals that you can give. 800-600-9624. That's the phone number. 800-600-9624. But we can also have you go to the good old Carl and Crew website. Yep, carlandcrew.org. Go to carlandcrew.org if you want to make a year-end gift. Again, that number, 800-600-9624 or carlandcrew.org. Mark, thank you, my friend, for being with us. And this is right on because this this isn't about keeping a station going. This is about keeping the gospel on the front lines of a culture that's in decline. And we carry the hope, the message for the hope of our nation and for our city, Mark. Absolutely. And let me just say this. What I love about the Boom Crew program in the morning, Carl and Crew, is that I hear the gospel intertwined over and over in this programming. And so I know that there are so many people that listen that would echo what I say. Thank you for continuing to weave the gospel into the gospel stories and the gospel message into this over and over. And, you know, some of the listeners know, hey, this team gets up early in the morning and I'm sure there's days, Allie, where you don't feel like being an encouragement. (laughs) Um, But but you do it anyways and you minister and you encourage people. So on behalf of a lot of people at the end of the year, you hear an applause coming out like this. So thank you again for what you do. And those of you that are listening to this morning program, this is a great time to support this program and this radio station. Good word. All right, Boom Crew, 800-600-9624. As the Spirit of God leads you, make a move. 800-600-9624 or online. At carlandcrew.org. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. A couple questions for my friend Carl. Do you own any of these items? Oh boy, here we go. I'm Do you hit own cold. any mm-hmm. Sharpies? Is your <laughs> Sharpie collection in good shape? Oh yeah. Dry erase markers. Oh yeah. Lip boards. Oh, where are we going here? Oh, I know. So far, I'm I yes know. all the way are down. Are you yes on the clipboards? Yes. What about whistles? Whistles. I have two whistles. Well, really? Okay, you're gonna need more, Carl. If you're gonna be a coach, oh, these are the oh, common oh, things. Oh, 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 
coach needs. I am married to a coach. Yes, you so are. So we have so many clipboards, so many great. whistles. I find my son with dry erase markers drawing up plays before he goes to bed. A coach needs supplies. Does he really? He does. My That's son so is a coach's cool. kid who draws up plays to oh. relax before bed. If you're going to be that. a coach, you got to have the coach's arsenal. I think I've got what I need here, but I might need a couple more whistles. <laughs> whistles. Carl's going to be doing some coaching, and it's available to you in the new year. He's not coaching a sport. He's coaching in something more important. Coaching, what would you call this? Coaching through what? You know, that's very interesting. I would say this is coaching people in the art of learning to stay in the power band with God so that things that have been kicking our tail for years, you know, coaches, this is, I'm, I'm pumped that you're talking about this because a good coach helps people actually break bad habits, yep. whether it's as a team or as individuals, mm-hmm. break bad habits, get good habits. A coach doesn't teach people to win nope. necessarily. No. A coach teaches people to have good habits yeah. that lead to wins. Mm-hmm. This is such a good metaphor here. <laughs> Man, <laughs> glad you went after it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, my goal is to help point people back to God so that they can tap into his power, get victory over stuff, bad habits, quite frankly. And a lot of you set resolutions when you come into the new year. I'm going to save you some time. Don't do it. Uh, classic resolutions as we know it are deadly. And you might say, if you're astute going, hold it, didn't you write the seven resolutions? <laughs> uh-huh. um, but those are agreements with God that you're going to tap into his power and that you're agreeing that, God, I'm surrendering this area of my life to you so that we can get something course corrected here. Mm-hmm. And boy, the upside potential is huge. So the book, of The Seven Resolutions, it comes out of that. It's going to be customized coaching that's going to be available for a small group of people. There's two webinars that will get you the information so you can decide, hey, is this for me or not? Do I want to sign on for this? Uh, they're going to be on December 29th, which is a Thursday night, and December 30th. 31st. 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 Saturday which is a morning. Saturday morning. So if you want the details on that, you can check out the coaching options. Just text the word seven to three one two. 274-9624. Be a part of one of the webinars. You'll get the details you need. Just text the word 7, S-E-V-E-N. Spell it out to 312-274-9624. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Here we go, guys. We have uh, got a week of Ask the Experts. And boy, we had a couple dandies in here today. Our topic is marriage. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg, America's family coaches. They do executive life and marriage co- coaching, award-winning authors, many books. And we're, they're taking your marriage questions today. All right. We've got one, Allie. Let's go for it, sister. Yeah, this one, this, this one, along with another one that came right after it, very similar. Married for a lot of years. Mm. One spouse is a Christian. One is not. So lots of loneliness, lots of difference of opinions, and two people who could not be further apart. Yeah. What do you say? Well, it's hard. I mean, that's some of the most lonely, honest, discouraging times is when you are each serving something different or someone different. And yeah. for, the, for the women in these situations that love Christ and they're pursuing him and they're filled with the spirit of God and they're wanting to connect and open up their hearts um, to their husbands, yet their husbands are not seeking the Lord. You know, Barb, when I met you, you know, we were, we met on a blind date and I started to pursue uh, you and you didn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> Barb, you hey, care I to was, get a word in on that? Good morning. <laughs> hey, I was a brand new Christian and 
uh, the similarity with these two incredible women that are courageous. Let me tell you something. You think you're alone. The enemy of God wants you to believe you're alone, Mm -hmm. but you are so surrounded by the presence of God. And where I would like to go with this, Gary, is this is an opportunity for God to be big and show up in your life. Boom. Because when we are under a trial from the enemy who's blinding us, holding us hostage, keeping us isolated, Hello, everybody. Have you been there with COVID? Okay. Yeah. This is a time when we know who we serve. We know that there is the power within us as we have received Christ. And it's a time of going to your knees, surrendering even more, and believing God for your marriage. Yeah. And if who else is praying for your husband? Is anybody? Because if nobody else is, boy, this is a divine opportunity. Let me encourage you with one thing. That's good. You go into your closet, and I don't know if your closet has ever looked like mine, but when it's been a mess, I go in there and I pray. And I ask the Lord to come down, and I pray for my enemy. Now, it might be your husband at this point because he's acting like the enemy. But you get in there and you start sorting through all those hangers and you start sorting through those clothes of yours and you allow your hands to do while your mouth is praying to the Lord Jesus. And this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. You just say, thank you, Lord, for the trial. And thank you, God, for the suffering. And thank you, God, that my husband has broken my heart. Because you know what? When you pray... And you are praising God. The enemy of God is going to run. I believe that. The enemy of God cannot coexist with praise. So the last thing we ever think about doing is praising God in the middle of a isolative hostage taking situation when we feel like everything's over. Praise God. Praise God. You know what? If that was the theme of this whole morning, we'd be fine. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. We'd be fine. Yeah. No joking. A lot of this stuff. um, I'm going to say this now. Janan and I spoke with Gary and Barb Rosberg for a dozen years together on Family Life. And I remember going up to Dennis Rainey one day and pouring out my heart. And I said, Dennis, we've got some great talks on these weekends to remember. They're phenomenal. But if the power talk doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit, all this stuff we're giving them is for naught. Yeah. It's all Band-Aids. Dennis really humbled himself. In that moment, Dennis looked at me and he said, you know what, Carl, you're right. And I remember that leader training weekend. He never said we had a talk, but I remember him coming and saying, if we don't have this power talk in place, and, and I'm not saying I did anything to precipitate yeah. that. All I'm saying is he had a Holy Spirit awareness moment that it's like, wow, it's got to be this. And Barb, I got to tell you, that's the way to kick this off out of the shoot. We took a super hard situation and said, this is the answer. Check this out, guys. This is the Apostle Paul preaching on your topic who texted in that question. If a woman has an unbelieving husband and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his believing wife. And then Paul flips it around. 
And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. That word sanctified is huge. Yeah. What is that? Well, what is that? How do we apply that? Because I know there's a lot of confusion around that passage of scripture. It's a vision cast by the Apostle Paul saying untold, unimaginable things can happen when a believing spouse prays for an unbelieving. It's what Barbara's just saying. Yeah. It's powerful. And, and here's what we know is that divorce is contagious. And there are probably a number of women that will speak into that lady's heart and say, you know what? I wouldn't stay. Right. You know what? There's no hope. I mean, there's no way he's going to change. And these are often well-intentioned people. Yes. But what we want to say is let marriage become contagious. Let stain become contagious. Let the restoration, let the hope, let God do the work that God wants to do because God wants to bring that man unto himself. And so the woman, in many ways, as Barb said, needs to be interceding in prayer, but she needs to also stand back and realize the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that guy. I I say, yeah, I hope that that guy's, and I say this respectfully, but I hope that he gets slammed up against the wall of himself. Yeah. So that he runs out of options and realizes that the God that she serves is the God that he desires. Because I guarantee he is miserable. Yeah, that's exactly trying right. Trying to do it himself. We all are without Christ. We yeah, are. absolutely. Um, you know, the interesting thing here is that, um, and I want to answer what Ali just asked, because it can look like a confusing passage. Paul is not guaranteeing that every unbelieving spouse is going to be radically right. born again and become D.L. Moody. But he is casting a vision that the most powerful spiritual work in an unbelieving spouse's life is through the believing spouse, Hmm. which is amazing. And you know what, guys? I got to tell you, there's too many people today waving a white flag, wanting the easy route out. But what if you took the powerful route down Hmm. and went lower and said, God, move? And that's what we're believing God for today. What a way to set this up here, Barb. Carl, I was just, when you said go low. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Humility. Is power. Oh, and the world just doesn't even know how to define it. I can't say that I know how to define it. I, when I realized that I was so full of pride and this is a continual battle. Yes. For a lifetime. But um, following Gary coming home from his, his very first Promise Keepers as a participant, there was something so different about you. And it rattled me for days. And I realized, I mean, he had changed from the time he left the house to the time he came back. Wow. And I thought there, there's something he's got that I don't have. And I just literally kept going before God. And I realized he had humility. And I didn't. And when you talked about going low, that's where the power is. Yeah. We don't understand it. I mean, oftentimes, you know, it's we want to fight, we want to flight, we want to run, we want. But if we go to our knees. It's the only place. And drop. We've got to drop and surrender to God. You've got the whole God of the universe on your side and in your soul and in your spirit and in your intellect. And it's not until the rug's been pulled out and Mm -hmm. everything's been taken away that we find out whose we are and the power we have within us, Boom. but it takes trials. Yeah, it does. And we got to have them. We're going to have a good morning here. Oh man. We're going to have a good morning here. Waking you up with adrenaline and Jesus. We're Carl and crew mornings.
Garland Crew Morning's helping you take your next step with Jesus. It's Ask the Experts this week. Here we, we go, Allie. We have Ali. some experts on marriage, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. They are life coaches, marriage coaches. They've done radio for a lot of years. And we're in the middle of a question that came in by email from a listener who has a husband who works third shift, 12 hours. They've talked about trying to share responsibilities, but this mom feels like everything's falling on her shoulders and she is tired. Barb, you shared you can totally relate to this. You went through a season Absolutely. where your husband was doing a PhD program and mm-hmm. you were exhausted and you said you you gave up. Uh, I gave up. I was of, Go ahead. I was vacuuming with our inherited Hoover vacuum cleaner one day. <laughs> you know, I'd be crying and praying for my husband one minute and asking the Lord to really reach down and change his heart. Mm-hmm. And the next minute I turned off my Hoover and I thought, why am I the only one working? on our marriage. So no, Gary, let me ask you a quick question. <laughs> what kind of heart change were you praying for? Was it that, you know, what? God would call him to something I, else or, no. or what? I believed in the work that God was doing in my husband's life. I chose him for my husband. Mm-hmm. I love my husband. Like every woman listening, she chose to marry her husband because she loves her husband too. Right. It we starts see, that way. That's right. We see the good things. But the reality was I needed Gary to have a heart change to understand the importance of of the heavy lifting that it takes to be a family, Mm -hmm. to be in marriage, in covenant marriage, and to help parent the children together. Because it goes both ways, to bring out the best in a woman and to bring out the best in a husband. There's always two sides to every story. So Gary's got his side too. Well, nobody could get through to me. Uh, I've been in an accountability group with three guys since 1979. Boy, we're getting honest here, Gary. And this is good. they would ask me uh, how I was doing, and I'd blow smoke. My dad would ask me, I'd blow smoke. My, my pastor would ask me, I'd blow smoke. Um, nobody could get through to me, including Barb. And that wall was up between Barb and I. Um, until, how long had you been married at this point? Seven years. Seven years. Seven okay. years. So little girls, five and two. And one day, Sarah, uh, who was five years old at the time, she's 44 with seven kids now. Oh. But uh, Sarah came to me with a piece of paper uh, rolled up in a scroll. And, and I keep the uh, facsimile of it in my Bible with Whoa, yellow yarn right around here, it. right here, guys. Uh, yellow yarn around it. And she had the same yellow uh, yarn around her pigtails. And she said, Daddy, can I show you a picture of our family? And I said, honey, not right now. Your daddy's studying. She said, I know you're preparing for your oral defense of your dissertation. The only five-year-old in the neighborhood who had a dad preparing for his oral defense of a dissertation. And uh, so she comes back a couple minutes later and said, daddy, can I see your picture? Or can I show you a picture? And I slammed this table next to a chair that Barb had a garage sale to buy for me. It was 169 bucks. And we couldn't afford that, that chair, but she wanted me to have that chair. And so finally I said, Sarah, show daddy your picture. And she got on my lap, and I unraveled the scroll, took the yarn off it, and I opened it up. And there was Mommy, uh, M-O-M-Y. There was Sarah, the little girl, drawn it. There was her two-year-old sister, Missy, the dog. And across the top, it had the words, Our Family Best. And I said, I love your picture, honey. I'm going to hang this on the fridge, and every night when I come home from helping all these people, I'll look at that picture. And something started to gnaw at me. And where am I? Yeah. And I called her back in and I said, Sarah, there's your mom. There's Missy. There's you. Where's your dad? And uh, she said, "Uh, you're at the library. You're at the library. And when Mm -hmm. she said that, um, 
It's like all bets were off. And she penetrated my heart. And, and I remember I said, okay, honey, I'm at the library. You, you go play. Your daddy's got to study. And I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and a couple of weeks later, Barb filled the house with all my professors and other PhD guys and, and uh, for a big party. And the, the picture hung on the refrigerator as a testimony to my failure. Mm. And who hung that picture there? Well, I hung it there. I mean, you you weren't playing junior Holy Spirit. Oh, I think I had thrown it away. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But that summer then, um, late one night, uh, I'm downstairs with this Bible and uh, this picture and pleading out to Holy God to save my family. And I went upstairs and I was too much of a chicken to turn on the light and Barb was in bed. And I said, are you asleep? And and she said, no. And I remember going rats because I was just kind of rehearsing, you know, because that's what guys. <laughs> now do. I've got to do it. I know. That's it. And uh, then I said, did you see the picture? Yes. And I said, why didn't you say anything? And she said, Gary, that picture broke your heart. And then I asked the question that the person who texted her called is also asking, and they're yearning for their husband to ask. I said, can I come home to my family? I want to come home to my family. And, you know, Barb, I remember you said, I love you. And the girls love you, but Gary, nobody knows you. Oh, wow. Nobody. So it took me two years to come home. And I played Candyland with Missy, who's got five kids. She lives here in Chicago. Um, and I hate Candyland, but I could beat any guy <laughs> listening to your show on Candyland. Um, took Sarah out for broccoli sandwiches, Barb on date nights. And two years later, Missy came to me and said, I have a present for you. I said, what is it? She said, it's a picture of our family. I said, I don't do pictures of our family. You know, <laughs> give me a lobotomy or something. And she gave me a picture and that one uh, hangs in my study. Um, and I'm in the middle of the picture. Hmm. Yeah. And so to those listeners Allie and Carl, that are, are, are yearning for a man to come home. Um, Barb did it all right. Those kids did it right. It took me two years with a doctorate in counseling to find my way home. But you can come home. Coming up, I want to build on this one a little bit because we don't want to leave it right now. By the way, if you've got questions for Gary and Barb, please text in or call in right now to 312-274-9624. Text your call right now to 312-274-9624. Build on that a little bit. Gary, I want to talk with you, and we're gonna we're gonna have a little bit of a dude talk here for a second, because at the end of the day, it seems that the Achilles heel of marriages is passivity in men and an inability to be genuinely humble. And it's killing us. We used to talk about it a lot, but we got to get after it more. We're also going to get some specific things if this is your question or you could have written it because it's your story. What are some things that you can do today to begin to come up from underwater? Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Um, catch up where we've been because we got this developing story here. Yeah, it started with a question that came in from a listener by email who has a husband who's working third shift, 12 hour shifts, and she is totally overwhelmed. She's basically keeping the whole household running and the marriage is suffering. And she says, what are things that we can do to be helpers to one another? But really behind what's not being said is how are we going to get out of this? Because this is a bad cycle. I'm overwhelmed. My husband's not around. And Gary and Barb have been kind of capturing their own uh, living this out themselves of him working on a Ph.D. and being absent and Barb getting totally overwhelmed. And she was a praying woman, but she reached a breaking point. 
There's a lot of women that wonder, do their men even know this? Absolutely. Right? Does he see? Does he care? I'm going to give you the inside scoop right now. Gary, tell me if I'm wrong. Most men have a hunch something's wrong, mm-hmm. but we're scared to death to admit it. Yeah, I, I think it's rooted in fear because a lot of us didn't see our dads do it. Uh, we, we don't have a blueprint what it looks like. And we delude ourselves because we're chasing what we think will bring satisfaction, and that's usually success. But success at the end of the road doesn't satisfy, um, and that would be a whole other show. But the thing that that the two things that hit me, and you mentioned one of them before we went to the break, is is passivity, but the other one is pace. Uh, Barb and I just did an executive uh, coaches event in Florida a couple weeks ago, and we had twenty guys all at the top of their game. And I said, you guys, your pace is killing Killing you. And nobody moved a muscle in that room. The wives didn't move a muscle, the guys didn't. And I said, your pace is killing you. And and that's the, you know, the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, I get it. I mean, I understand pace. I understand doing way more than I can possibly pull off. But pace is what erodes the safety of relationships. Okay, that is awesome. And I feel like I've got something on my heart here that I think you can echo with. So I want you to talk about this. And then we'll, we'll bring in you ladies here in just a moment here. But this is, we're talking to men right now. And we don't do this a lot on this show. But this is very, in fact, I've felt prompted the Lord as of late to do this more and more on this show. But men's inherent thing is when we're faced with our weaknesses, we think we got to get stronger. Ironically, the scriptures say we got to get weaker. Mm. So we try to boot when a woman comes to us, when my wife comes to me, when Jubes comes to me and, and there's a hint of a failure, I think I got to get stronger. Now that's a demonic attack because the secret sauce of biblical manhood is humility. Yeah. Not trying to get stronger. No, you're right. In, in fact, when I was left out of that family picture and went into that dark bedroom with Barb, and I said, can I come home? And she said, nobody knows me. I backed out of that room with this Bible in my hand, Carl. And, and I started quietly, but I said, Barb, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And then I got really loud. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And then God brought me into humility because I knew I had to serve my way home. And it took me, with a doctorate degree in counseling, it, and, and just started a Christian counseling center, took me two years to serve my way home. And it's because I think Satan's bait and our bent is to think the way out is to get tougher, stronger, um, more resilient. I don't know. I'm, I'm, but the way up is down in the kingdom of God. And that's surrender. And, and that it's surrender. surrender. It is surrender. And surrender is the hardest place for any of us, but it's really hard for men because men perceive that as weakness when in fact it's, it's strength. strength. It's strength. This is, I need you to listen to me, men, right now. Right now. In our weakness, he is strong. Second Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 12. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, 1 Peter 5, and he will lift you up. And i tell you one thing, Ali and I, we talk about it here all the time. The whole crew, we talk about it here. My wife and I pray for it. We want an awakening. And I'll tell you, we had Raleigh Washington in here not too long yeah. ago. With Promise Keepers for years, you worked with them. Yeah, both of you. Years. And he said, we need, he said a bold statement that's been uh, chasing me. Mm-hmm. And he said, until we see a movement of men in our nation again, we will not see awakening. 
Women, God bless you. You ladies have been, you, you evangelized Africa, frankly, and you reached, you're, you're the trailblazers spiritually, and Raleigh said that. But what's, what's amazing is, is that God wants to use men humbled, contrite, finding power on our knees, not bowing our back, flexing energy, and that's, I, I need to tell you, man, that's the secret sauce. Gary, final word, and then we're going to go to another question. Well, I, and I did uh, events for PK for 12 years with Raleigh. And in those events are PK is Promise Keepers. Promise for keepers those of you that are new in guys. Christ, it was a big men's movement yeah. that was smoking this nation. And quite frankly, Satan aligned himself against it. Uh, well, he did. And, um, and so that movement that we were a part of and that Raleigh was a part of, was from, in many ways, I mean, it was a national movement and became an international movement. But for the man sitting back saying, I missed that, or the family that's sitting back say, I yearn for that, a movement like that starts in the chest of every man listening. It starts in the chest of a man that is willing to humble himself, as Scripture says, and drop to the knee and say, God, start with me. And let that movement start in the home. And so sometimes we're so focused on going outside the home in order to do a movement. Well, that movement starts when a righteous man surrenders. And he says, I cannot do this apart from the power of Jesus Christ in my life. And when God does that, God will move mountains. Yeah. Okay. What do we got here? Allie? I want to get a quick uh, word from Barb here. Cause I, I know her conviction is for this woman who wrote their question. I know many women feel that. What do you do? What's the practical specific thing you can do to get through the day? I mean, you, it took your husband two years to come home. What's a wife to do in those while she's waiting and praying? Well, um, I think I would, I'm trying to be ginger cliff notes. Uh, Shanti and Jeff Felden are incredible marriage researchers Read everything they write. Yeah, we got to get Shanti book. on here. Oh, She's oh, phenomenal. And, and Jeff, is, Jeff too. is too. They are beautiful. Bottom line, Jeff has reported that a man's number one need is the need for a sense of adequacy. Am I enough? Mm -hmm. Am I adequate? A wife's number one need. And both of these really line up with our book, The, the Six Secrets of a Lasting Love and The Five Love Needs of, of Men and Women which say this, that a woman's number one love need is that to be loved unconditionally. A woman is continually asking, am I lovable? Mm -hmm. Am I worthy of your love? Would you marry me all over again? Am I beautiful? A man is asking, am I adequate? Yeah, can I get the job done? And it's interesting. We were with Jeff and Shanti recently, and what they said was the two words, this is their research, Clinical research. Clinical research. Yeah. This is extensive Harvard research. People. Harvard yeah. people. They said the two words that a man most needs to hear is thank you. Thank you. And it's amazing that that's one thing I think a wife can do is to say thank you when her husband does something well, because that will affirm that he's on the track in order to help build and strengthen his marriage. So when this dear woman that called... I mean, her husband is working a 12-hour shift, but she is too at yeah. home. And she's not getting paid breaks and, you know, lunches and, and everything else. <laughs> so here, both people, do both people need thank you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But if he can understand that he needs to express love, you are beautiful, you are lovely, I love you, I would marry you all over again. If she says to him, thank you, 
Thank you for what you're doing outside the home. And then on a day when they are outside of the home and they've had some magical moments, um, whatever they've done that have filled those magical moments, they can sit down and go, you know what? We are, it's got to be team we. We are stronger than you alone or me being independent of you. We've got to do the roles together, the chores together. Okay, we got a lot more coming here, guys. Yeah. This has been a sweet time. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, here's the essence of the question, guys. we got Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg with us. Uh, ask the experts all week long. Today we're tackling marriage with a couple of real pros. And what makes them pros, by the way, is their own story of brokenness and humility before the Lord. This isn't gadget hour. This is about getting down on it with yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, Allie? I mean, totally. that's what it's about. Yeah. Okay, got a question here. And and by the way, this applies to so many people. Here's the picture that this text paints. An emotionally abandoned spouse for years, left on the ash heap of leftovers. Now we're trying to, they are now recognizing, I've got to help this person out of this mess. How does someone who's married to someone that they abandoned so long help them get out of that ash heap of feeling so alone? You know, one of the things that we see in marriage coaching is that invariably one person is leaning into the marriage while the other person is leaning out. So there's, it's systemic. So then when the other person starts to lean in, then the person that was leaning in begins to lean out. Yeah. The goal is to get them both to lean in. They lean in, number one, when there's a sense of safety and trust, and Barb addressed that earlier. So when you put a boundary around that relationship and a husband and wife say, we're going to guard the heart of our marriage with a boundary around it, but then we're going to put the wall of self-protection down between the two of us, and we're going to start with taking risk transparently, take vulnerability emotionally, and then open up ourselves to one another spiritually. That takes time. One person can start that. So when a man looks into the face of a woman and says, I know that I've abandoned you. I know I've left you on that ash heap. I know because God has convicted me of that and I want to come home. So I want to learn to guard the heart of our marriage and begin to connect to your heart. They can start that. But you know what? It's just like the sexual intimacy questions. It starts with holding the hand. It starts with one conversation. It starts with one walk. It starts with one chat over some apple cider where you say, I love you, I'm committed to you, and I want to learn to access you. And Barb and I have written for years on communication. And we've learned over the last couple of years, and it's what we're teaching now. It's not communication. That's not the key to marriage. Yes. It's connection. Yeah. And let me ask you a question, Barb, about this, because it seems to me that a woman would appreciate deeply a deep, heartfelt, snot coming out of both nostrils, if you must, acknowledgement that I left you on a ash heap. Owning that, how much does that help? Oh, it's like, will you say it out loud? Just validate that it happened. And then Truly, I believe a couple can move past it, but until it's validated, 
um, years ago, we used to teach that it, it would be like, um, I, I would say, a woman going to a file cabinet. Now, some people are going, what's a file cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> Is that like Google Drive? I'm not totally yeah. dating myself. No, you go into a folders you're going on into your folders, Google Mail. Yeah. And you keep pulling this one folder out and you're leaving it open until somebody validates what happened in that mm. folder. You can then together close it up and put it away inside your computer, right, Carl? But here's here you're you're saying it right. Tell me it happened. Validate that you hurt me. I don't believe, I do not believe that a person who loves Christ and has surrendered their heart wants to hold on to anything. Why? I, I think you're right. Because we want to live in freedom and we want to go through life as a married t- couple together as one in oneness. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, but come on, let's be messy and figure out how to get there. Here's my side. Here's your side. Here's my side again. Okay. I get you. I understand you. Oh man. Did I hurt you like that? Oh, oh, I remember a time I felt that kind of hurt. Are you kidding me? Oh, I never want to hurt you like that again. That's kind of a, a saga between a husband and wife or two friends. They're putting the relationship over the issue. And by the way, for the sake of the next generation and the next generation coming past the up past them, I'm telling you, we have got to get this together in our homes and in our marriages and resolve it. It's not going to be perfect. It doesn't always feel good, but we get free on the other side of boom, it. Gary, boom, what would boom. you say? Well, I would say the thing that inhibits that is shortcuts. It's shortcuts. And what I find with a lot of men is when their back's up against the wall, they begin to mitigate the risk. So they think if I tell my spouse everything, the relationship may be at risk, but until they tell their spouse everything and they've got the snot coming out of both nostrils, right. well, as you said, that's when they get to the core of where they're at. Shortcuts kill marriages. Yep. Pace kills marriages. Um, withdrawal kills marriages. So what it means is I'm all in and I'm all in first with a confession of my heart, with a broken and contrite spirit. That's the safest place. So the guy that's confessed is the cleanest guy in the room. But when we mitigate that, we take a shortcut and we hold back the information of what's going on. That's when the erosion begins to occur and the relationship pulls apart. It's interesting. What's prompted in my heart here is when Jesus went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and he came out of the wilderness, Satan threw baited him in three ways. One of them was a shortcut. He said, hey, may, make, make a big to-do about yourself mm. in the public square. Yeah. God will hold no you way. up. Well, he was ultimately going to be glorified, but he was glorified on the cross. And the only, the only shortcut that I see offered up is offered up from Satan. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Good stuff. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew mornings. I... I Come on, I've heard this so many times, and it's a great question. Yeah, for when we're talking marriage, which is obviously very important, but what about the singles? We've got a couple singles who are like, hey, come on, what about us? Someone just said, I totally agree, I'm single, I'm 69 years old, never been married, 
makes me cry when I go into the sanctuary, see all the happy families. So obviously there's the uh, sometimes pain associated with longing for marriage when you're single. But what about the messaging in the church that sometimes uh, leaves out or can make people who are not (laughs) happily married feel left out? Yeah. I mean, two things strike me, Allie, on that question. Number one is we as communicators need to be really wise that we not project onto the entire room that everybody is married. And because here's an example, 16, I mean, that I'm 70, that guy's my age. Mm-hmm. And if he is experiencing that, that hurt or that disappointment, um, we need to remember that and to be more, far more inclusive. But the second thing is the joy of relationships. So single, married, with parents. I remember, you know, Carl, at family life conferences, we used to have a throwaway line that marriage is like flies on the window. Yeah. Those on the outside are dying to get in, and those on the inside are dying Dying to get get out. out. And we've used that so many times because it's true. Well, it is. And so to that precious guy, it's relationships. So if it's not marriage, fine. But what are his relationships with other guys, with women? What is he doing to stay in community with other people? Good word. Barb, get anything to add to that, sister? You know, I think Gary handled it very well. But as you called me sister, it really is about being family, isn't it? When Whether we are married, whether we're single or widowed or divorced, we're called to relate to one another with love. And to treat one another as though they're mothers and fathers, to give honor to one another, um, wouldn't it be amazing to really draw people into the church because of the authenticity Boom. of love Boom. and relationship? You know, we've been, we hammer this topic on this radio show, and then we'll get back to questions here in just a moment. They're pouring in here. One thing we hit here commonly on this morning's show is... The reason that the church is in such peril today is that we've gone to church, but we've not been the church. I don't know how many times that's our nomenclature. We should start saying, in fact, here's a new revolution here. Start saying when you get your kids loaded up in the car going, let's go be the church, not let's go to church. When you go to church, you're going to a building. When you be the church, you're going with people. And there's nothing like the love of the body of Christ if you hang out. Hang out in the lobby for a little bit. Just look around and go, God put me into a friend here. Because Mm -hmm. there is love there. Mm -hmm. And there's real heart intimacy, too, as well. Good answers, guys. Okay, we got questions coming in here. Here's a question. How do you have a biblical marriage when the woman is playing the role as the provider financially? Okay, uh, let's tackle that. Ask that one more time. Let's just go right after it. How do you have a biblical marriage when the woman is the one who is the provider? There's another one that came in very similar to this one. So while you guys are doing some quick cogitation, another one said, I want to be at home with the kids, but I'm forced into the marketplace. Wouldn't you say an honest conversation is in order here? Sometimes I feel like people feel things but never even share them with their spouse. Yeah, I don't think it's an unbiblical relationship that a woman is called into work and into a profession. I I think we're undermining what God can do there. So yeah. if this woman is pr- providing and she is um, maybe trained in a specific area and God is using her, I say bring it. I mean, that is fantastic. But what are they doing as a husband and a wife to build unity in that so that the man isn't uh, isn't sensing that he's put on the back burner, that he doesn't have value, he doesn't have worth, 
you know, that's a complicated question. Mm-hmm. And uh, those kinds of questions, when people come into our coaching world or and we start to, to unpack those, we want to get a, after all the nuances of that. I would also add that the first three years of a child's life is when emotional attachment is formed, especially between mother and child. So if we have to compromise anything about raising our children, oh, I'm telling you, the most important thing, the most important influence you will ever have is being a mother to your child if God has given you children. And it's sometimes it's really inconvenient and it's hard, and it's daily, and you don't get the thank you notes until after they're married. Uh, (laughs) But the reality is this, it's the best work you'll ever do as a woman. Uh, Have I worked? Absolutely, I've worked. Have I mothered? Absolutely, I've mothered. But the tenderness and the fragility of the years, they go by so fast. Moms, these are your longest days, and they are your shortest years. Do whatever it takes to mother your little ones, because before you know you know it, they're not going to need you. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we have that's a challenge today in the pursuit of the American dream, which is woefully short of God's vision for life, by the way. If I'm reminded of the C.S. Lewis quote, if you're aiming for the American dream, you're aiming too pick and low, not too <laughs> high. But we've generated a standard of living that's forced our style Mm -hmm. of living Mm -hmm. to sometimes force a woman into the marketplace when she'd rather maybe be at home. Now, I am big on Proverbs 31 women, right? And she was a working woman. She was a seller of purple. But I'm working with a couple right now where the the wife is kind of jammed into the marketplace full time. And I'm helping them, coaching them through And they've now discovered, shazam, we can actually pull this off with her doing a little side hustle and the money that I'm bringing in. And she gets to be home with the chitlins. So it's possible, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's possible. The key, Gary, I want to just, I want to chime in if you don't mind. But if it's in a woman's heart to return home to her children, husband's Please listen. She's she is going to the deepest place in her heart. If a woman is telling her husband that it's it's his goal as a husband, leader, spiritually equipping for the family. Honey, what is your dream? Because I want to bring out the best in you and I don't want to miss an opportunity for you to be formed, to be developed, to be all the woman you are meant to be in this world. Now, that's what I'm talking about, because a husband who's connected to his wife's heart is going to listen to those dreams and help make them happen. Thanks, Gary. Okay, another question here, Allie. We got two questions that came in from separate people, not married to each other, but both dealing with a spouse who they describe as a narcissist. So I've both sides. We've got a, a wife who has a husband who would she would describe as a narcissist and a husband who would describe a wife the same way. What do you do when you are married to a narcissist? Yeah. And you know what? I, I got to tell you this, man. God has given me a huge epiphany on these labels that we throw around. Yeah, that's where I was going. Is that where you were going? Yeah, I, I am against them. Yeah, I am dead set against them. 
I think that you actually are buying Satan's bait. We're going to get to the answer here in a moment, but I want to take the sting out of this. Notice I've looked the scriptures over. I can't find the word narcissist in, in here. I've looked. It's not in here. Is there, uh, are there behavioral descriptions? Yeah. But it's, it's Satan is the author of pigeonholing people yeah, into yeah. stations in life. Yeah. And that's not God's way. It's interesting. I didn't know where you were going to land on yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Carl. I'm the only person in this room that gets to diagnose narcissism. Yeah, because you're, you're a paid professional. Because I'm clinically trained. Yeah. And it is so overstated. Oh, it's and so useless. You, you pick up a magazine, and, and I hear this question, Allie, so mm-hmm. often. And how, how do you, how, what are people describing when they say, I'm married to a narcissist? Somebody well, who is selfish. What? <laughs> You're reading my notes. Okay. Selfish and pride. Okay. So when somebody starts talking about narcissism, I would back off because why try to defend that? And if you call somebody a narcissist, and they've got that pride mm-hmm. and that selfishness, you're definitely going to push up against a wall. And so it, it undermines any sense of understanding. And there are a lot of men that are walking around and they're being labeled with that more than women. And I, their fur just goes up on the back of their back. And what I say is, let's put that aside. We're not going to try to be a diagnostician here. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the root of selfishness and the root of pride. All right. Answers to this one coming up, because that's the issue. At the end of the day, that's bad enough. Now let's talk about that. And we're all guilty of it. Yeah, yeah. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Ask the experts all week long. Today it's been an incredible treat. And uh, we're going to give you a couple of things. Number one, if you want to hear some incredible content on marriage that deals with everything from... Uh, abandonment, uh, sexual intimacy, um, you name it, how to really have love, how men reject passivity and move toward their woman and everything in between. Just get our showcast. If you've never gotten it, today's the day. All week long, we're going to have these experts in here. This has been amazing. This has been phenomenal. And uh, I want you to get it. It's easy to get the showcast. Just text the word show to 312-274-9624. Just text the word show. Okay. Um, Also, some people have been asking, where do I find these guys? These guys are great. Where's these guys and all their (laughs) books and all this stuff? AmericasFamilyCoaches.com. That's the website. It's going to be the hub to get you to their books and a little bit more about their story. AmericasFamilyCoaches.com. Okay. uh, The word narcissist is thrown around a lot. And, and to be fair, um, it's it's become such common nomenclature. The downside with it is that it pigeonholes people or it can put ourselves above others. We had a question that came in that said several about several, describing yeah. a spouse as a narcissist, as a narcissist. Yep. Um, let's revisit this. Why would you say and I'm going to start with you, Barb. Why would you say don't use that word necessarily on uh, name calling? Yeah. You know, when you're right a kid, there. remember when you're a kid and your mom said, don't call people names. Yeah. And if your mom didn't say that to you, I'm saying it to you now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, to mom, it's so anti-Christ. Christ, yes. Now, come on. Um, we look to God because we ne- we have a hole in our heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. And I believe his words were coming to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. 
that includes a lot of people, doesn't it? Um, and, almost everyone. And every one of us. I mean, when I hear when I read that verse, I just want to I want to go home to Daddy, and I just want to lay my head on his shoulder, and I want a place of rest. So, can we be like Christ in this world and be the come unto me? Yeah. Come home. Uh, come home to your faith. Come home to a God who loves you. Come home to a place you're not going to get your needs met in what you do and what you say and where you work and who you are and all the titles because been there, done that, it doesn't work. Yeah. But but we don't have to ignore some of the uh, sin that is behind a word like that that are better descriptors than we find them in Scripture. What, how would you capture the problems, the challenges that these spouses are up against with spouses that they label as narcissists. What's really going on biblically? Well, Carl, I think it's selfishness. I think it's pride. Okay. I think it's arrogance. I think it's self-centeredness. You know, it's remarkable. Um, and first of all, Barb's great answer to that is why, Allie, the name of our radio show wasn't the Dr. Gary and Barb show. It was Barb Rosberg and what's his name? <laughs> And I'm watching this And uh, so you, you just heard 22 years old, uh, 22 years of radio. Okay, I'm 22 years old. No, She'll take it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, and, and it breaks my heart because the, the people that um, called in those kinds of questions, they're brokenhearted. Yeah. I mean, they're hurting. They're yeah, they're frustrated. It's real. Because they're living with somebody who is running rampant mm-hmm. with demandingness, with, with self-centeredness, with um, lording something over, with lack of integrity. Those issues, but I would just caution people, and and my this you know the hair goes back up on my neck again um, when I hear non-clinical people uh, using a clinical term. Um, that I mean, I spent seven years in graduate school to get to use those big words. That uh, and you, I don't. But use you them, don't use them, and I don't even use them. <laughs> I don't. But I do use pride. I do use selfishness. Yeah, right on. And because it's sin. And every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And so what do we need to do? We need to put that sin into the light. We need to put demandingness. Larry Crabb wrote a book, Inside Out. It's one of my favorite books. Boy, that book will tear you up from the inside out. You know, we taught it in our church at the time, the video series. Yeah. And it started with about 100 people. By the end of the series, there were 800 people in that room. And it's not because, and Barb and I were just, we were just monitoring it. I mean, we were just introducing it and answering some questions. The place was jam-packed. And I told Larry that before he died. We were speaking together in Portland. And I said, you know, Larry, people were rocking with that book because what he says is above the waterline. It's like an iceberg. He said, Christians try to think good thoughts, feel good feelings, and do good behaviors. But when you go below the line of self-protection, and he said, that's where t- troubled reflectors live, because that's the nature of our heart. You deal with your urges, your memories, your attitudes, and your motivations. And he said, when you deal with those things, it's more reflective of who you are. Yeah. And I told him that at a United Club one time, and he said, Rosberg, you did read my book. And I said, it, <laughs> it's awesome, because we all have below the waterline of our life, and that's where demandingness lives. And people who act in a selfish and prideful way are with narcissism. That is what they're saying is, I'm the center of the room. So ultimately, it's a spiritual issue. It's surrendering to Jesus, who is the center of the room. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. 
Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.